Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. This morning we'll look at Luke 9, verses 18 through 22. Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you for this opportunity, and we look to you to provide us the understanding we need. Open our eyes, O Lord, that we might see Jesus and see him clearly, for we ask this in his name. Amen. I'd be willing to bet that at some time or another, many of you have probably questioned or wondered about your salvation. Wondered whether or not on the day of judgment, you would fare well. I'm sure it's crossed your mind. Most people at some time or another have that thought, have the question. You know, if I was to die today and I was to stand before God, how would I do? What would that be like? And it's it's not uncommon. A lot of people, actually, in the privacy of their own hearts, they don't tell other people this, but they'll they will think this question. They'll ask it and wonder about it. And this morning, this passage in Luke. He's going to reveal to us something about our own hearts and our own relationship to God that helps us to understand and answer the question. We see something about here that will, will reveal to us, as Jesus reveals to his disciples, something that we all need to have grounded in us. Because if there's probably something that's important for every single person here is to know, is God at work in me? Is God doing anything in me? Because if you don't ask the right questions, and if you don't go to the Bible for the right answers, and if you don't come to the right conclusion, you can be very confused at times. So we have to come to the Word. We have to see, does, what is God saying to me? And is it clear? And I want to say, boy, this morning, is it clear? There are some really good revelation here in regard to your standing before God and how you can know it. Jesus, in fact, does something here that brings to the surface what even his own disciples would have longed to know. Because Jesus here probes his disciples to make manifest those who belong to him or those who are his. If you look at verse 18 through 19. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Now when it says here that Jesus was praying alone, and then it says right after that that his disciples were with him, it's not contradicting itself. When I first read that, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Jesus was alone, praying, but his disciples were with him. Huh. Well, actually... All it's saying is that they were together, him and the disciples, but Jesus was praying by himself. And I'm sure every one of you have been with people and have prayed by yourself. Say, oh, okay, I get what he's talking about. That's what's happening here. Jesus is with the disciples, but he himself is praying. They're not doing the group prayer. He himself is praying. And I'm sure he's probably praying this. Oh, Father, (coughs) excuse me, reveal to these, your children, make manifest that you, you have given them understanding. Here's why I say this. Because in Jesus asking this question, he asks it not so that he might find out what's going on. He asks it so that they might find out what's going on. 
He asks a question to reveal what is happening in their minds and hearts that is, at this point, wasn't brought to the surface. He asks them, who do people say that I am? And many at this time were saying they're getting it all wrong, weren't they? What was their response? Well, what are the people saying? And then we're going to see next, he's going to say, well, what do you say? What do you guys think? But what the people are saying is that all of them, if you look at it, they all think he's some kind of a prophet. Either John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, or this is Elijah or some one of the prophets of old. Do you know why they think that? Because one of the prophets of old was supposed to come back before Messiah. And then when you look at Jesus' life, you can understand why they're probably thinking he was a prophet of old. Because he, if you look at him, what does he do? He boldly proclaims the word of God. He lives a meager lifestyle as a humble servant. He performs miracles and he confronts the leaders of his day. If you look at what Jesus is acting like, would you assume that he was more of like a prophet acting like or a king? I guarantee you he would manifest to you. You would see him. He says, from what I can tell the way he's acting, he looks a lot like prophet not only that you've read your bibles you've probably read some things about messiah and messiah coming and what does it say well here let me give you just one little example of what you might think of when you hear the word messiah and when messiah comes just listen to isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 and as you listen you tell me what kind of messiah you might start to expect for to us a child is born to us, the son is given. Many of you have heard this. And the government shall rule, be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace of no, and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, what do you expect? Okay, he's going to come and sit on the throne of David. Now, this is why the people don't aren't seeing it. Humble servant, performing miracles, boldly proclaiming the word of God, living, you know, he hasn't changed his clothes in weeks. He has, as far as I know, he doesn't have an address. He's he, he appears like a prophet. So the people are saying he's a prophet. Now this is significant because Jesus then turns in verse 20 and he turns to his disciples and he, sa and he says this, but who do you say that I am? In verse 20. And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Peter says something that's very significant. Peter says the Christ of God. Now, oh, oh, now, it doesn't say this here. Notice Luke 9 is a little different than Matthew. In Matthew, it gives a little bit more insight. Because right after this, he says, Jesus says to Simon, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, Peter getting who Jesus was, was a clear and bold manifestation that Peter 
had been blessed by the Father in heaven, by the Spirit, it had been revealed to him. Even Jesus himself knew that with your own eyes, you would not get it right. There's all kinds of prophetic statements in the Old Covenant. All kinds of uh, declarations about Messiah and what he would be like. And if you read them, after a while, you know, you, you start to formulate and build this understanding. You would think that he would for sure, be, he's going to be a king. He's going to sit on the throne of David. But there is a little, there's the humble servant aspect in there. But you really have to have eyes from God to see it. And as, as a result, Peter has made manifest to his own heart. And Jesus has helped him understand that Jesus, that Peter, what you see and what you understand is the gift of God. Peter, you need to understand something. This isn't because you're bright. This isn't because you're brilliant. This isn't because, you know, you've studied the scriptures and somehow you figured this out. It isn't because of this. He says, Jesus says, this is because you're blessed from my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. It was revelation that was needed from God, not from his own sources. And you realize here that this is a brilliant question, a question that manifests who are his, who belong to Jesus, who has the Father imparted to them this understanding. And you know, it should also for us help us to understand a very fundamental, important question in all the discipleship we do and even in our own lives, and it's this, who is Jesus. Do you realize that even today, today, still, the question of who is Jesus is ancient. Because if the Spirit has not illumined you to understand who he is, you will get it wrong in one way or another. And I challenge you to test people with this. Ask them, who is Jesus? And you're going to get all kinds of answers. Some will say that he was merely a good person. There are some who will say he actually didn't exist. He was a fictitious character. There's others who will say, yeah, he, I think he was a prophet. And then there's others who will say, he, I believe he's the son of God. And you realize that today, if you ask people this question, even, even people within the church, and I've even found this with this question, you could have grown up in the church your whole life your whole life, and you ask people the question, who is Jesus? Doesn't that seem like basic 101 question? It is. It's very simple. But you will be amazed at what you get for an answer. Because you could be, even if you're taught the right things, believing them and holding fast to them is different. And you will find that a lot of people that do not believe Jesus, do not understand who he really was, will often have a very confused definition. <clears throat> and I guarantee you that you will find out more from that question than you ever bargained. You can even ask the question of your, ask the question to your children. And your children, usually they start off as mad heretics as you try to teach them, train them. And, and they get better and they, they get better and they get better. And usually if you've catechized them and taught them well, at the end you ask them the question, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who was, who was fully God and fully man, and that he lived a perfect life, and he gave up his life for the sins of his people, and he's risen from the dead, 
and he sits at the right hand of God. Very good, Johnny. Very good. But now ask the question to this same little Johnny when he's a little older and ask him to be sincere. I want you to sincerely tell him, what do you believe? Who do you believe Jesus to be? And if he doesn't believe it, he will start to redefine who Jesus is. I've seen it happen. Jesus is no longer the one, because as soon as he's the Son of God and the Lord, according to the catechisms, the ones that, how we define him, I think they know in their soul there's implications of it. He's Lord. I'm not. And I must answer to him. That is heavy, that's heavyweight. And I don't like that. So I have to, I have to, you have to deal with Jesus somehow, always. And it's just one of the most potent questions. Who do you believe Jesus to be? And you know what else? For you yourselves. You realize if you're sitting here today and you say, I believe he is the son of God and I believe he was born of the Virgin Mary, a virgin, but yet not of man, but of God. And I believe he was the God man and I believe he lived a perfect life and he died for our sins and I believe he is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you realize that if you believe that with your heart, that is not from you. That is the gift of God. You cannot believe that otherwise. No man has revealed that to you. That's been revealed to you from your Father in heaven. It, it might sound, all those words sound really easy to hold on to and say, well, it's just, a, it's just, they're data points. Yes, but they will not and they cannot be believed apart from the Father in heaven granting you the grace to believe them. Let me even read for you again a section out of a portion that was read for us this morning. John chapter 10. <coughs> Excuse me. First John. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, John chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. This is, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, they'll hear his voice, they know who I am, and they follow me. There's something significantly different. Jesus in that passage talks about how his, his sheep are different from the rest. And there's a, they believe. They believe who he is. They believe his word, and they follow him. And I think it's important for us to see and understand that that is a gift from God. It's not from men. You know, in Luke chapter 10, just following, we're going to see this, the chapter after this, shortly. The disciples return from doing their ministry and their mission that Jesus sent them on. And then Jesus prays to the Father and he says this. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father. 
or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So they don't know him. They don't know the Son unless the Son, Father, and the Spirit choose to reveal him to them. So if you're sitting here this morning and you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the God-man born of the Virgin Mary, is the one who come to live a perfect life, to die for our sins and raise again from the dead and see with the right hand of the Father, you are blessed. Do not think for a moment that that is a mere intellectual exercise. The Lord God has worked that in you. You need to see that. And you need to see that that's the gift of God. It's not me, it's from God, and I praise him for it. It's not because like you're wise or understanding. It's not because, as Jesus says in Luke 10, it's not because, you know, you've got some special status or that, you know, because you are just so good looking or anything like that. I know you're probably thinking that one. But it's because of the grace of God toward you. And it should give you an assurance. What's Jesus doing in this passage? He's saying, who do you say that I am? And he wants to see it manifested. So they even know in their own hearts. And what we see, with, what does he do with Peter? He assures them from this. In Matthew, he taught, as this comes up and Peter says, declares who he is in truth, Jesus used that as a moment to assure him that he's blessed of God and that you, this Peter, this has happened to you because of the grace of God. Not because of you but because of the grace of God. Now that's important. But we also have to realize that Jesus gives more to those who already have. To those who have, he even gives more. If you look at verses 21 and 22, Luke 9, it says, And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So here the apostles, here the apostles are given the truth of who Jesus was by the Father, which was uh, this particular aspect of what he's telling right now, we know was definitely hidden from everyone's eyes. Even the, the, even the disciples, even right here, they're given more. They have, they've been blessed, and now they're given more. He gets, gives them more insight. But even still, what do they do? They struggle with this. They have a hard time. Once again, Peter, and that doesn't say it. It's interesting that Luke 9 withholds this. But again, in, in Matthew, Peter decides he's going to rebuke Jesus for this. Far be it from you, Lord, that this should ever happen. So Peter quickly goes from hero to zero in two seconds. And the Lord was giving him some more, and Peter went and messed it up. Because Jesus responds to him and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Peter's revelation and blessing at this point was only partial. It wasn't complete. And yet Jesus is giving him more, and, and, and he flounders it. But still, this is what happens. He gets more, and he gets more, and more revelation is given to him as he goes along. Constantly, 
He now he gets what's going to happen. And then as the spirit comes, all, a lot of the stuff that happened to them starts to make a whole lot of sense to them. That Jesus said would happen. The spirit gives more. They've been given revelation. They clearly know who Jesus is, but then they still, they still don't get it. And isn't that a lot like us as well? We can get things, but there's so much we don't get. We get a portion, but then there's more. And what God does is God continues to give. To those who have, he even gives more. He blesses. He, he gives more revelation. You know, if we believe and see Jesus for who he truly is, that is the gift of the Spirit. But that isn't where it ends. Along with this, the Spirit also gives to us more and more insight into God's Word. So when you hear and re or read God's Word, let me ask you a question. Is it living to you? Are you encouraged by it? Are you rebuked by it? Are you taught by it? Are you warned by it? Are you given hope by it? Because you who have, you will continue to receive. And this is something that happens with the word of God. God continues to give more, more to those who have. And he continues to bless and he continues to open up and he continues to give more and more revelation. And on the flip side, those who do not know Jesus, his Word is also dead to them. It seems boring, out of date, weird, completely non-instructive and non-helpful, really not encouraging at all. It's kind of like reading an encyclopedia on a topic you care less about. Okay, whatever. You know, before God awakened my heart, and before he helped me see even Jesus, I remember he... He was drawing me to himself because for some reason I had this Bible and I was really, I thought it maybe would have answers for me. So I remember getting it. And I didn't know, I made sure no one was looking. And I, I start reading in it. It's strange. I don't, didn't understand anything I read. To this day, I couldn't tell you anything. As I remember reading it, it's like, oh, how do you even understand this thing? It's like, it made no sense to me. It was really, it was just, it was just closed off to me. Dead to me. I don't know, like, why do people read this thing? It's weird. Totally weird. But when God awakened me, and I put my faith in Christ, boom, then he gives me more, and it came alive to me. Alive to me in ways that are, it's hard to even understand. That which was dead, it became living. God started to feed me. And give me his word. His word, I loved it. I delighted in it. I devoured it. I continued to read it. And that was 30 years ago. 30 years ago that happened. And now 30 years later, I still love it. I still am I'm encouraged by it. And sometimes I'm, I'm overjoyed by it. And, you know, sometimes I sit there and shake by it. I tr it caused me, I, I read some warnings. I'm like, holy, man, oh, that never, oh, God, may that never happen to me. I'm, I'm taught by it. I'm instructed by it. it uh, you know, I, have, I could read a book 15 times, and the 16th time, it, it's like there's parts I've never read before. It speaks to me in a different way. God, this book is alive to me. And sure, 30 years later, the novelty's gone. And I get used to it being like this, this kind of book to me. And so it's like more mundane. But it doesn't ever cease to feed me, to nourish me, to correct me, to rebuke me, to give me hope, to to, to warn me, to keep me from, from straying, and, and, and ministering to me. And this is the gift of God. God is at work and alive by His Spirit doing this to you. You realize this, 
This book is either dead to you. This is the amazing thing about this. And it's a bunch of weird words. It's archaic. It's old. It's out of date. It's bizarre. Or it's alive to you. And whether it is dead or alive, do you realize it has nothing to do with you? It's the grace of God. It's God's giving to you that which you don't deserve. And in, in so, I tell you, if it's alive to you, you'll take it for granted almost. And then you will wonder, maybe you will question whether or not God is really at work in you. What, what is my standing before God? How does he see me? And you're asking these questions and you're reading your Bibles and you're seeking him and this thing, this book is ministering to you. And right there is testimony to you. As Jesus said, hey, this doesn't happen. This isn't natural. This isn't something that anybody can just pick up and anybody can receive of the word and it be opened to them and it minister to them. This is the gift of God to you. And you know what? If you're sitting here this morning and you have a biblical understanding of Jesus and you gladly embrace that, you should praise God. It's the gift of God. Give him hearty thanks. And if you're sitting here this morning and you receive from him and you continue to receive from him and you go to his word and his word continues to teach you and instruct you and correct you, and it is because it spanks you, and you and you and if you're warned by it and you tremble at it sometimes, oh God must hate me. No. No, he loves you. And it's happening because he loves you. And it manifests to you, it reveals to you, as Jesus says, this isn't from you folks. This is happening because God is working in you. John 1, 11 through 13 says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if you believe the truth about who Jesus is, you're blessed. And if you are the one who's blessed, and this word is living to you, let me encourage you. You all should seek and pursue after this word. Devour it. Read tons of it. And if you said, well, I've read it a few times. I don't care. Read it a thousand times. You can read that book over a hundred times and it will continue to minister to you. Seek after it. And I encourage you with the words of Solomon. He said, Solomon spoke to his son in, in, Sol in, what's in Solomon chapter 2. In Proverbs chapter 2. Saying, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. This is the gift of God. 
I'm telling you folks, with all the time you have, seek it, devour it. Because you know what? Those who have been given, much more will be given. God is glad to speak to you. Do you want to hear his voice in your life? Do you really want him to work in you? Do you really want him to like really change your life? Take in the word as much as you can. And I will. I would line up testimony after testimony on this stage and say, you testify to me and to all of us and tell me the impact the word of God has had in your life. If Jesus has been revealed to you and God has given you his word and it will be one story after another of life transformation. And yet, what do we do? We neglect it. We might think, I've already read it before. We might say, well, I don't really have time. I'm telling you, you can't afford not to. God is looking to speak to you. God is looking to minister to you. God is looking to pour out to you. And you should do whatever you can, whether you have to listen to it while you drive or while you work or whatever you can, or if you have to wake up early or stay up late, get into it. Make it a staple in your life and seek after it. With this belief, God is going to minister to you. God is going to speak to you. God is going to give to you. And why do you know that? Because ask the right question. You can see and realize that he's, he's already manifested to you. That he's at work in you. If you hold fast to who Jesus is. Knowing that that's not from me. That's not from man. But that's a gift from God. And if you're into his word and it's speaking to you. That's the gift of God. God is at work and he will gladly bless you with it. So what is your response? Your response to, to this to this gracious gift is in no way pride. In no way is it like, wow, I must have something something about me. No, nothing about you. It's just pure grace. And we say, why me, oh Lord? I don't understand. Why me? It doesn't make any sense. You're right, it doesn't. It's probably because, according to 1 Corinthians, that you're the weaker. You're the foolish. Because he loves to take the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. I'll be weak all day long. Count me amongst the fools. Gladly, if I could have the grace of God. Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed to us who are foolish, who are weak, revealed to us who, who, who aren't counted amongst the the elites. And you've revealed Jesus to us. What a tremendous gift. You revealed your truth to us. Your word to us. You continually give to those who've been given. We know, Lord Jesus, that you said to those who've been given, more will be given. To those who don't have, even what they have will be taken from them. So, Lord Jesus, we pray. And I pray for these people, your people. Pour out to them the blessings of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of God. Grant to them disgrace. Put in their hearts a hunger to seek after you and pursue you and be fed by you. We know you, you've granted us this grace. We pray for more of it. Bless us, we ask in Christ. Amen.